So on that note, I'm going to read the scripture for today. It's Proverbs 15, 31 through 33. Um, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dull among the wise. Whoever ignores destruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Father God, I pray for families that are already fostering and adopting, that you would strengthen them and lead them to trust in you even in their struggles. I pray that the people in this room that couldn't foster or adopt realize that that's not the only way to help kids in these kinds of situations. Open our ears to what God has to say to us today through Nate. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you guys thank Noah for doing uh, service hosting this morning? Uh, thank you, Noah, so much. Uh, Noah is a student in our student ministry here in New City, and uh, Noah was at a, a conference called MOVE. It was a high school conference. And at that conference, they end every week uh, of conference with an opportunity to receive a Kingdom Worker card. And the Kingdom Worker card has a, a challenge in it, uh, a challenge to take a step of faith, to uh, put your faith into action. And Noah and Lucy, who you saw on the video today, uh, both received cards that, that were about foster care and adoption. And so th this whole service and that video, uh, the cards that you see on your seats are all engineered and orchestrated by our students uh, who are taking that challenge seriously and wanting to get involved in foster care and adoption. So I, I just you know, praise God for our student ministry and praise God for those guys. And also, I just want to acknowledge that we do see you, those who are uh, fostering and adopting the Cortez family who are in the video or in the front row today. And so I just want to say thank you uh, to you guys uh, for being an example uh, and, and a light of Jesus. I was adopted by my father. My wife was adopted by her father. Adoption is a part of our story. Uh, I do want to encourage you uh, to consider uh, making adoption a part of your story. And as Noah said, uh, either through prayer, uh, through support, uh, or some, some kind of evaluation of just through your own sort of story. Not everybody is called to adopt, uh, but everybody's called to care. And so we've got we've to make a way in our heart to care for kids in need, all right? So that's my, my two cents on that. Okay, on to the message. Last week we talked about speaking uh, the truth. This week we're talking about listening. Uh, we're in the book of Proverbs. And I want to highlight just one, my deficiency and also my wife's superpower in this particular, uh, the, uh, you know, she's got some superpowers that I, I simply, I can't understand. I don't, I don't understand how she does it. And I think that she's gaslighting me, I, just in light of last week's message in this regard. I have on occasion, I don't know if any men can relate to this, and if you're not married, uh, and this is, you know, outside of your scope of experience, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know, I mean, I, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping, just really am hoping that others have had this experience too, uh, who are husbands and, ha and have a wife, uh, but I have on occasion gone to the refrigerator and opened the refrigerator and I said, hey, sweetie, I can't find the mustard. And she yells in the other room, look with your hands. And I look with my hands and I cannot find the mustard. And then she immediately comes over to the refrigerator and goes, it's right here. Now, I don't know how she did that. It's like a magic trick because it wasn't there when I was looking, but suddenly it's there. She has this capacity. I don't know if I'm the only one in the room who has this inability to find anything, uh, but she has this incredible ability. Uh, another illustration of this is uh, there are times in our relationship where she'll say to me, do you remember when we talked about X, Y, Z? And I will say, I have no earthly idea what you're talking about. Like, I don't remember that conversation at all. And she'll say, I told you all about this thing. And I say, I, I don't remember talking about that thing. She said, you agreed with me. And I, then I have to say, was I doing something when you were speaking to me? And she says, 
yeah. And I said, well, I have no, I, there's no way I heard you because I cannot do two things at one time. Uh, it is impossible for me. I know you possess the superpower of doing two things at one time, but that is a superpower that I do not possess. And so if it's really important, she has to come to me and say, sweetie, you know, hands on the cheeks, I need to tell you something that you have to remember. Uh, I'm going away and the kids need to be fed. Uh, and so, you know, those are the kinds of things that are really important that I need to hear. And so I, I have at, at times heard this in my marriage, you are not listening to me. And in, listening is a skill that we can develop. And it's a skill that I, I want you to be able to develop a little bit today. Now, I uh, really dislike teaching uh, messages where the, the, the tethering uh, of content gets too far from the text. But what's interesting in Proverbs is that uh, Proverbs is a book about wisdom. And one of the things that you think about when you're reading the book of Proverbs is that all truth is God's truth. And that there are some practical things uh, that can really help us to live in life. In fact, Proverbs is pointing us always to the practical. And so there'll be some times today where I'll kind of veer off a little bit from the text and just get into the practical, but I hope it'll be helpful for you. Uh, they're tools that I have found to be helpful for me, and I want to just talk about three things today, and they are the, the challenges to listening, the consequences of not listening, and how to become a better listener. And these are the three things we'll talk about today. Um, the challenges of listening. The reading today began with this verse, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. I sat with that for a little bit uh, a couple weeks ago as I was kind of preparing for this, this talk. And I was like, the, the, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof. And then what caught my attention was life-giving reproof. Reproof is life-giving. And I thought about how we do not innately believe that correction and instruction are life-giving. <laughs> like, that's not, like, wired into us. Like, you, like, think about children at play, for example, all right? Children at play uh, do not welcome life-giving reproof. In fact, they don't think reproof is in life-giving. Uh, you know, I, say, I have said things as a parent that I never thought I'd say, like, don't play in the toilet. I, I thought that was an assumed reality. Um, it is not. And, and so children will play in the toilet. They, they'll do, they'll, don't run in the street. Like, they will run in the street carelessly. And there is a way like, that seems right to children. But if you don't reprove them, right, they'll die. <laughs> like, I, mean, it's, it's, I mean, if you don't correct them, uh, it's, that's, that's putting their lives in danger. Like we have to be, be correcting them and instructing them, reproving them, or they will find themselves in danger. The proverb says there is a way that seems right to a man, but, in, but its end is the way of death. What caught my attention in that verse is there a way that seems right to a man? That then there's a reason that women live longer than men. Lots of reasons. Like these guys, you know, I, I appreciate their ingenuity, uh, I, I, but uh, I'm sure OSHA would have something to say about that particular technique of changing the light bulb. Uh, Men, men don't have like whatever that muscle is that says, don't do that. They don't have it. Uh, and so there's a lot of us who are risk takers. I, I like this guy's uh, sort of method of trimming the bushes. I think it's a really <laughs> clever method. I found myself appreciating that, but I know that it's funny because it's not wise, but I, I kind of want to be that guy. 
Uh, so, you know, that's why that women live longer than men. Uh, this guy, uh, you know, found, I think he's hanging out with his friends. You will see uh, he's jumping out of the window with a broom and catching that perfect Harry Potter moment. There's a keg at the bottom of this photo, which explains a whole lot about what's going on there. But there is a reason uh, that the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. And you know, you know like the redneck's famous last words, right? You know that? Hey, y'all, watch this. I mean, it's just, uh, that's what happens. Like, you know, and you get, you get into a place where you go, okay, that guy needs reproof, right? He needs, he needs some correction. Uh, there are reasons why I don't want to receive correction and reproof and to listen is to be corrected is to admit that I'm wrong. And I hate more than anything admitting that I'm wrong. Uh, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, the Bible says, but a wise man listens to advice. I, I, I really do hate admitting that I'm wrong. And that, that's, that, that's the first step of listening, really, is truly admitting that kind of reality. Uh, the blinding pride of immaturity is one of the biggest challenges to listening, I think. And you can be old and still immature. Like, maturity is like learning from experience. But there is a blinding pride of immaturity that is it's, it's really a big challenge to listening. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is uh, prudent. In other words, like a fool is somebody who doesn't get developed in life who hasn't submitted to a process of development, of listening to instruction, of being corrected. An immature mind lacks the awareness that comes with experience. They haven't learned from experience. They haven't uh, received the appropriate learnings of life. You see, the most important lesson that experience will teach us is that we know a lot less than we thought we knew. And those of us who are uh, maturing in age uh, know that as we mature in age, what we are learning is how much we don't know. And, and what's, what's happening is our desire, if we are matru truly maturing in age, is our desire to consume new information grows. Those who are not maturing in age harden their minds and they stop learning. But those who are maturing in age are always inquisitive and learning. I had the, 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 the wonderful opportunity this last week to hang out with a mentor of mine, Dick Alexander, who's, I'm, I'm guessing he's in his late 70s. And Dick Alexander is one of those people who just doesn't speak a lot, but he asks a ton of questions, and his questions are always hurt a little bit. <laughs> so, but I'm always like, man, wow, you know, this guy just never stops learning, just hungry for it. The glory of a young man is their strength, but the splendor of an old man is their gray hair, it's their experience. I, I was on Twitter this week, and I found something good on Twitter, which is good, so I want to share it with you. And uh, what I found that was good on Twitter is an illustration of a young man in his strength and an old man in his wisdom. And I think this is a wonderful illustration of the difference between youth and wisdom. Uh, this is so great. I want to be this guy when I grow up. Absolutely, absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. The difference between wisdom and youth, all right? We do not innately believe that correction and instruction are life-giving. That, that is what we don't believe. Because to be, to be correct is to believe that we, or to admit that we are wrong. Nobody wants to do that. And to be instructed is to admit that we are ignorant. Without counsel, the Bible says, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Uh, the, the challenge in Proverbs 3, 7 is, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Like, be a learner. Listen. Be available to instruction. The beginning of wisdom is acknowledging your limited understanding as compared to the limitless mind of God. And sometimes like we put ourselves in context where we're only comparing ourselves to people that we're slightly smarter than. But you have to put yourself in a context where you see yourself in comparison to the Almighty God and realize that I have so much to learn. 
By the way, this is just an aside. It came into my mind just now, and, and so that's always not wise to share that, So, in a, especially in a sermon on wisdom. But I, I do think that in heaven, uh, we are going to be in a place of limitless learning. And I think there's going to be a, there's going to be this sort of this, the heavenly experience that we are to look to look forward to, is to be in this place where where curiosity is always is always being met. And and I think that's what we have to look forward to: is minds that are exploring the limitless capacity of God. Um, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and he who understands obtains guidance. Like we need to be like. Committing ourselves to, to learning. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So to, to be a learned person or to be a person committed to, to obtaining guidance is, a, is the kind of person that puts yourself in a posture before God the Father and says, I'm, I, I fear you, I respect you, I, I honor you. That's, that's where it begins. So I've been thinking about this quite a bit this week, and I've been in a couple of different rooms where lots of leaders have been in those rooms. And this is an observation I have made, and I think it, it holds true uh, to the Word of God. The wisest people I know are not the ones giving answers, they're the ones asking questions. And you can, you can always identify the fool in a room because the fool is the one that's using the most words. And the wisest people in the room are the ones that are inquisitive, learning, always seeking to listen, to, to receive input and information. And if you want to be wise, you, you need to be actively seeking opportunities to listen. And let me just give you like a personal application here. Um, I, I struggle with this particular point. Uh, I struggle with, with, with listening sometimes, in particular to certain areas of my life that I want to keep out of reach from anybody who might want to challenge that part of my life. And I have learned that if I want to grow in my life, I have, to do, I have to be actively seeking input. I have to be actively seeking opportunities to listen. And so I learned a long time ago with my wife particularly that I needed to issue with her a hunting license. And you need to give someone in your life a hunting license. And what I, what I mean by that is you've, you've got to give permission to certain people in your life to ask you difficult questions. To, 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 uh, to, you got to bring people in your life who can have the power to speak boldly in your life so that you can listen and learn. And you are missing out on growth opportunities if you have not given anyone permission to question your life. Like you're missing out on real growth opportunities if you haven't put yourself in a position to, to actively be listening to input from somebody on the outside. And I'll just get really personal with you. The areas of your life that you are most insecure about are the ones that you really need to issue your first permits and uh, for hunting in. So I, 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 my wife has a green light to ask me questions about various areas of my life. So I traveled this week, and when I travel, I often travel alone, and I'm often in hotel rooms alone. And my wife has a hunting license; she can ask me anything anything about my own personal purity, my habits when I'm away, uh, what it's like for me to be in quiet and alone places. She has a hunting license. She knows that my insecurities often put me in a position where I will try to prove my worth by my performance, and she has a green light to ask me questions about that. Now, there are other people in my life who I've given the opportunity to hunt, and I said, you have a hunting license in this area of my life because I want to grow. I don't want to be static. I want to learn. I want to be developed. I don't want to be a fool. And so hunt. Here's, here's your permit. 
You have the freedom, the green light to, to look around in my life and to evaluate me. You see, we need someone to ask hard questions because the hardest person to see is ourselves. And the easiest person to deceive is ourselves. And it, it is an unsettling experience for someone to speak truth into your life and for you not to agree with them. It's unsettling. Because sometimes we see ourselves one way, but the rest of the world is seeing us a completely different way. And you will not have the ability to see yourself until you see yourself through the lens of trusted advisors in your life who are providing counsel. You need to be able to develop a habit of listening. So we're talking now about the challenges to listening. And I'm just going to tell you that one of the biggest challenges to listening for me is I'm too busy talking. And that's, that's the challenge I think we'll always share is we're just too busy talking. That's why I don't listen. Now, I am in this unique position in life where I get paid um, to speak to people. Like that's one of the things I get paid to do. In fact, I'll speak at a conference on Saturday this next week. And somebody has paid me money to travel and to dispense wisdom, <laughs> you know? It's, it's amazing, like, when you are the expert in the room and you're, you're expected to speak as an expert in the room about something, how easy is it, it is to transfer that, that, uh, that perceived expertise in that particular subject to all areas of life? And how um, it is not true that I'm the expert of everything in my home, <laughs> you know? But there are times when I go into instruction mode, and I'm like, you know, everything would be just happier if you would just listen to my instruction, Right? I mean, wouldn't the whole world just run smoother if everybody just listened to you, right? And so that's just kind of the feeling that I get sometimes. And I have to realize that even the fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. And every once in a while, I just need to shut up and listen. Uh, George Bernard Shaw said the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that has taken place. <laughs> it's, it seems so often that I think that I have heard and I haven't heard. Or I think that I have spoken and I haven't been clear. Now, I talk too much because I am tempted to believe that my thoughts are better than your thoughts. That is a true temptation. Uh, when words are many, transgressions, <laughs> transgression is not lacking, says Proverbs 10.19. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I have to remember that the more words, the more temptation there is to sin in my words. Stretch the truth. Not be fully honest. Cover up insecurities. I talk too much because I'm tempted to believe my thoughts are better than your thoughts, and I also talk too much because it's easier than listening, quite frankly, because uh, listening's hard. And talking keeps me from intimacy. And what I will sometimes do when I'm in a conversation with somebody is I will keep you uh, from getting near to me by talking. And I don't know if you've ever met somebody like this. Maybe you're, you are somebody like this. Uh, that you are afraid that somebody will ask you a question that's meaningful, that, il that elicits a meaningful response from you. And so to keep them from getting near to you, you just talk. And in that talking, you take up all the sort of oxygen in the room. And then what, what ends up happening, what ends up suffering is intimacy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I don't think we believe that. Like, I, I think we fear wounds so much that we don't think that wounds could ever come from a faithful friend. And so instead of putting ourselves in context, actually listen to reproof and instruction, uh, to, to, to listen to somebody sort of ask us probing questions and deep questions and hard questions, we take up all the room with speaking. 
Because we don't really want to grow. We don't believe that friends can issue wounds. I think intimacy, we, we feel like, is, puts us in danger. And so sometimes I think we will do things to keep us away from the danger. Now, I read a book years ago called Crucial Conversations that was really helpful for me in having difficult conversations. It's a leadership book. And the authors say that this, the mistake most of us make in our crucial conversations is we believe that we have to choose between telling the truth and keeping a friend. That we, we believe that we can't have true intimacy where we have hard conversations about real stuff of life and also maintain friendship. Now, there are three qualities of a crucial conversation, says the authors. Uh, the, the, a crucial conversation involves these three components, when opinions vary, when the stakes are high and emotions run strong. And there are so many sort of conversations I've had in my life that run into those three categories, you know, like at home, around our finances, around our parenting, around, you know, there's so many in my personal life, my professional life, where I find that the, we don't all agree the stakes are high, they matter, emotions run strong, and so we need some skills. When, those are the, when that's the environment we're walking into, we need some skills on how to speak and how to listen. And I think what happens is, as Christians, we often subtly, unconsciously, or subconsciously change uh, the meaning of Scripture uh, to, to justify our particular position. Uh, particularly, what I mean by that is, is here, we sometimes will use, we'll twist Scripture a little, just a little bit so that we don't have to speak the truth or listen to the truth. For example, sometimes we'll change the meaning of love your neighbor to be nice to your neighbor. We won't really embrace the reality of loving, self-sacrificially loving our neighbor, and we think that what the scripture really means is just be nice. See, love calls me to, into deeper understanding. Nice calls me to not be offensive. And so what will happen is we will interpret love my neighbor as just simply walking through life without being offensive. When really loving my neighbor means going into deep, intimate relationship with people, walking down hard paths with them, speaking hard truths, and listening to hard truths. That's what is required for deep understanding and deep relationship. And so we're talking about the challenges here to listening. Some of the challenges are we don't innately believe the correction, instruction, or life-giving. We're too busy talking, and we haven't been taught how to listen. I had some time this week to dig into some old books that I, I've uh, since... Uh, long had forgotten about, and I was just sitting, sitting in a chair, and she's going, what books have I read about listening? And there's only one book really that came to mind that was about listening. And it was a book by Mortimer Adler called How to Speak, How to Listen. And in the book, Adler says, how do you make contact with the mind of another person? By the use of language, by writing, by speaking, on the one hand, and by reading, and listening, on the other hand, four categories of connecting one mind to another mind. Four distinct performances are involved in the process by which one human mind reaches out to another and makes contact with it. And skill in each of these performances is required to make that process effective. How many of these skills were you taught in school? How many are your children being taught? The conclusion here is that most of us received formalized instruction in reading and writing in grade school, but nearly none of us received any formalized instruction speaking and listening. And so when you think back through your education, you, you, most of us have received some formalized instruction on how to write and how to read. But very few of us ever had anybody sit down with us and say, here's how to speak and here's how to listen. I mean, prior to Gutenberg, most of humanity was communicating through speaking and listening. This is a skill, I think. Dialogue is a skill that we have lost. 
People don't really engage in life-giving dialogue very often anymore. So the Bible says, hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. And I, I want to, to give you some, some wisdom, just some practical wisdom. Here's that place where we just walk into a domain that I think is just practical and helpful. You, you can learn to listen better. I really believe that. Like you can learn to be a better listener. Now there are three areas in which I think that you can learn to be a better, wi- uh, better listener. And that's in the area of content and feeling and purpose. Uh, the why. I created an exercise years ago in counseling because I found that uh, many couples just didn't have the capacity uh, to listen. Nobody had ever taught them how to listen. And so they would speak at each other, but they would never took the, the time to understand one another. And understanding the content of a conversation is a crucial step in listening, like to, to know what you're really talking about. It's amazing to me how many arguments I have been bought into the middle of as a pastor and I've started to sort of try to understand the content of the argument and realized in the, in the exploration phase of that conversation that these two people are fighting, but they're fighting about different things. They weren't even in agreement on the content. And so there was like, there, there was like this inability to hear one another. And so I started having couples sort of write down in a single phrase, what is the content we're actually discussing right now? And what you do when you get to that place is you get to the place where you go, okay, I hear you. And that's really important. It's amazing how, how powerful being heard is. When somebody can reflect back to you the things that you said to them and you feel heard. It's amazing how powerful it is to feel heard. You know, there's so many people go through uh, relationships year after year and, and they live in this relationship and they never feel like they've been heard. It's, it's amazing. And so listening actively, asking questions, seeking to understand, do I understand the content? It's really key. But feeling is a whole other deal because emotions are weird because none of us really ever feel a singular emotion because emotions come in packages. And what happens is when we feel an emotion, sometimes the emotion we feel is a covering emotion like anger. Anger is almost never the feeling we feel. Uh, Anger is like the covering emotion for insecurity or or the covering emotion for uh, depression. Uh, it's a covering emotion for, some, for many other things. And so anger is often not the real emotion. Uh, it's just like the, the initial one or the, de- the, the defensive emotion. But there's other ones underneath there that the real, are the real emotions. And it takes exploration. And it takes identifying. I, h- how do you feel about what's being shared? How do you feel about this content? It's a big, it's a big deal. Understanding it, hearing the words, identifying the feeling words, trying to get the package of feelings together. And when you get that, when you, when you understand that, you can reflect back to somebody, I know what we're talking about, and I know how you feel about what we're talking about. You go from I hear you to I see you. And that's powerful. And it's really powerful. When you're sitting in relationship with somebody, and in that relationship, you, you know they, both they, they understand you, but they also know how you feel. And so now they're empathizing with you, and you feel like I'm connecting with another human being. Like listening is necessary for that. You, you can't have a human connection with somebody without having the experience of having been heard and understood. That's that feeling thing. But if you really want to have you know, depth in your understanding, you have to know why somebody feels that way about the content you're talking about. That's, that's really deep level understanding. And most people don't have a skill set to get there, but you really have to work at it. Listen well, 
Ask great questions. Seek to understand. Be, be, be soliciting feedback in this conversation. Why do, you, why do you feel this way about this thing? And what you're doing is you're getting to somebody's story, like their history, their experiences of life, their, their, their base fears and insecurities and where they came from. Like, what, what are the things that make them tick, and what are the things about them that really, that, that really make them who they are uniquely? And that's when you, when you get to the why, and you're able to say, I understand why you feel this way about this particular subject. You get to, I get you. Like, we, like we, I'm stepping in what you're stepping in. Like, I get you. That kind of depth of connection with another human being is profound. It's really, it's really key. And most of us don't have, don't, haven't been taught, at least, how to listen like that. Like how to, how to actively listen in such a way that you're soliciting the kind of feedback where you're walking into somebody's narrative. So let me, let's walk you through this, okay, in, a, in an example format. Uh, let's say that, uh, that John and Susie, just made up names, uh, I come in for a meeting and Susie wants to say to John, I don't like that we never talk about money. That's the content. And through some questioning and some answering and some kind of walking through the narrative, uh, they get a chance to kind of explore that. We write that sentence down. Okay, this is what is really going on here. This is why you're having conflict. You never talk about money. And Susie says, I don't like it that we don't do that. And then John is now pressing into Susie and saying, okay, I don't understand. Like, why do you, what, what, what's going on? Like, how do you feel about this particular reality? And Susie says, I feel insecure and unsafe in our relationship because we'd never talk about money and I feel insecure and I feel unsafe. But if, if John really wants to go deep with Susie and understanding, he's got to go into her narrative to understand why she feels that way. Like, why does she feel insecure and unsafe about this particular subject matter, about not talking about money in the context of their home? And after deep learning and understanding, you, John might find out about Susie. I grew up with a deep sense of insecurity in my home. I don't want to raise my kids like that. That's, that, that probably deep down in this fictional character's sort of storyline, there was Real insecurity in the home. Maybe dad was volatile and you never knew what you were coming home to. Maybe mom and dad were not very good at managing money and didn't know if you're ever going to come home to your home, if you're going to be evicted or not. Or there's some, some, some sort of narrative of insecurity that kind of uh, sort of was a part of that childhood experience that now has brought up in this marriage a real deep sense of insecurity and, and safety. And if we could just talk about money uh, every once in a while, I have a plan about our finances, how much, how much anxiety would just dis dissipate and disappear in the context of relationship. And so listening is so important for that. And so when you're, when you're doing this exercise of content, feeling, and why, and you're really diving in and trying to seek to understand and trying to actively listen, you're, get, you're getting some, some deep places. How about in the workplace? How about when an, emplo an employee comes to an employer and he says, uh, I, I need to know the win at my job. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I'm winning or not. I need to know what the win is. And how, how about, you know, that direct report, uh, you know, is speaking to, to you know, to, to their supervisor and they're, they're kind of having this conversation and the supervisor kind of digs deep, asks some questions, and says, how, do you, how, how are you feeling about your work? And the employee says, I feel very discontent in my work. I, just, I, dip, I feel a deep level of dissatisfaction. In fact, I don't, I don't feel like I'm making a difference. Now, if you really want to go deep in, uh, into understanding, and this, you know, this some, sometimes this, is, this requires some just real high-level thinking and asking questions, you might find that this particular employee had parents who attached their value to their performance, and winning is about my significance. And really, it's more about, it's, it's not really about discontentment as much as it is about, I, I, I'm feeling discontent, but that discontentment is leading to insignificance. I, I need to feel significant in my work. 
this, I think this pattern of sort of questioning, this pattern of listening is so powerful. And, and there's, some, there's some challenges to our listening, and there really are some big challenges to our listening, and one of the biggest challenges is just nobody's ever taught you how. How, how to really listen with, a, with, a, with an ear that's, that's tuned in to, to receive the right kind of information, to go deep with somebody and to experience that intimacy. What are the consequences of not listening? Whoever ignores instruction, this is from our reading this morning, despises himself. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. In other words, you're causing yourself harm when you're not listening. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Like you're putting yourself at risk by not listening. You need to be putting yourself in a context where you listen. You're actually treating yourself very poorly by not putting yourself in a position to listen. You're setting yourself up for failure. You cause yourself harm by inhibiting your personal growth. If you're not listening and soliciting feedback and and information in the context of relationships, you are uh, not getting the gains of intelligence, says Proverbs 15.32. Like you're not getting that, that gain of intelligence. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. So don't be a fool. Don't be the one always taking the oxygen out of the room by speaking. Be a listener. Be, solicit feedback. Be a learner. Put yourself in positions to learn. That's those big consequences here to not listening. You are putting yourself at risk. Challenges of listening, consequences of listening. Now I want to talk to you about how to become a better listener. Let's listen to the reading again, just with an ear for understanding. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. In other words, there are two things that will make you a better listener. One is making much of God and not making much of yourself. One is making much of God and the other is not making much of yourself. In other words, in the words of John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. When you put yourself in a posture with God that's like that, what happens is as he increases, you recognize his his superior wisdom in your life. You also recognize your finite nature. You, all, you, you recognize in that, right, in that sort of worship experience, you recognize that you have a lot to learn. And what you also recognize by the grace of God is you don't have to be right anymore. You see, because I know that God was right for me, this is the gospel, Jesus lived the life I could not live. He died the death I should have died. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again. He conquered my sin and death. He was right for me. Because I know that God was right for me, I don't have to be right. Therefore, I can listen. So many conversations, I think, fail because there are two parties trying to prove themselves right in that conversation. But in your marriage, if you could just begin with the fact that you're a sinner and need a grace and that God was right on your behalf, how that just diffuses conflict so rapidly. And you don't start with all of, all of all, you don't start with how right you are, but you start with how right God is. 
how that changes everything. It really does create space in your own mind for understanding and for learning. You know, in this series, the big takeaway I want you to have is that God is good, and He's gracious, He's given you practical wisdom for life, and that you could go to the God in His Word to receive instruction on the things that cause you the most trouble in life. And the thing that causes me the most trouble in life is relationships. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm so grateful that God has given us guidance in this area. So let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would, you would help us all to come to a deeper understanding of your word, um, deeper understanding of ourselves. Uh, would you uh, let our pride fade away? Would you let all the things that get in uh, the way of intimacy and relationship just sort of fade away? Would you let your grace take its place? Um, Father, we, we fear you, we respect you, we worship you, we're in awe of you. Uh, we don't compare, but you've invited us near. And uh, we thank you, and so we, uh, we accept the invitation to come near you, to learn from you. And I pray that you'd help us have minds uh, that, are, that are available to listen. It is in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Uh, so we're going to sing three songs, and as we do that, you can go to the table, uh, take the bread, break the bread, remember Christ's body broken for you, you can take the cup, remember his blood shed for you, um, you know, Maybe, maybe you just need to listen to the Lord Jesus and listen to him speak to you, listen to him speak over you. The, the truths of Jesus are so powerful when it comes to this kind of thing. You know, I think one of the things that Jesus says to me at times like this is he says, Nate, uh, you, don't have, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to prove yourself. Uh, I've already approved of you. Your, your worth is found in me. You can rest. So now go out and learn and be inquisitive and, and explore and have fun. I think that... So often I find that the Lord, in releasing me from my anxieties of needing to be right and approving my worth through my actions, how, he, how often he enables me just to have fun in life and relationships. And, uh, and I pray that for you and for your marriages, for your relationships, for your, your singleness, for your, uh, you know, the relationships with, with your coworkers at work, that you would be freed by the gospel and by grace, and that you would have more fun and connect with people and listen better.